is this going to be? Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. On today's episode, we have Sean Forbes. He is a U.S. Army veteran who's trained special forces overseas. Really cool story there. He's an investor in several startup companies that he's helped get to seven figures in their very first year. And overall, he's just a good guy. So I'm looking forward to having this conversation with Sean. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great, Brad. Appreciate you having me on here. Super excited to, to share the story and uh, you know, kind of get the word out a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited to introduce you to the community, man. You're definitely somebody that more people need to know. So let's start at the beginning. What was your childhood like? Where'd you grow up? Dive in for us. Yeah, man. Um, definitely had a very unique childhood growing up. I uh, grew up super poor in Iowa. Um, my mother was a drug addict. I didn't meet my father until I was 25. And so the first seven years of my life were, you know, at the time, they seemed great. But it's relative, you know, it's if you don't know any different, then you don't know any different, you know, and it wasn't until I was much older and I look back at my life on paper that I'm like, holy shit, like that was rough. And then going through foster care and having all the different statistics beat over my head that I'm seven times more likely to have depression. I'm five times more likely to suffer from anxiety one out of five kids in foster care end up homeless by the time they're 18 years old. 50% of these kids develop substance abuse by 24. You know, so I'm looking at all these things going, fuck, I'm doomed, you know? And, and so it wasn't until I was much older in life that I realized, you know what? I don't have to fall victim to my social conditioning. I don't have to be a statistic and I do have a choice. But we're taught at a young age to suppress our imagination. We're taught at a young age to suppress our creativity and just do as you're told. You know what? That's just not for me. <laughs> That's just not for me. And so being able to take, take charge and take control of my thoughts and my emotions are things that weren't taught to me. Um, the things I kind of had to learn along the way. And it wasn't until I was much, much older, like literally within the last couple of years, that I, the, even the concept of a mentor was brought to my attention. And so with those things and with the military and really being able to take charge of me and my thoughts and how I react to certain situations definitely allowed me to be successful in my later years. It allowed me to survive situations that if my emotions were to get in the mix of things that potentially I could have died. Mm, so that's powerful. That's Those powerful. are the things that I'm excited to, to share and teach other people because those are lessons that you definitely don't learn on your own um, unless you go through those specific things. For sure. And my question to you would be, I mean, you rattled off some, some, some statistics there that it's, it's for sure. I mean, it's, it's not having a stable childhood and being able to come out in the mindset that you have right now is, is an accomplishment in itself. So were you aware of those statistics growing up? Like you seem to rattle those off like the back of your hand right now. Were those things that you battled? Um, definitely things I battled later in life. You know, like I said, the first seven years, no, I wasn't aware of those things. It wasn't until I was being moved from foster home to foster home, being put into different group homes, did these things even come to my attention. 
you know? So here I am, this eight year old kid being ripped from family to family, having to make new friends constantly, wondering what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, what did I do that deserves this? Like, why, why am I having to go through all these things? Sure. You know, so when they were kind of brought to my attention is when I was like, okay, I, I can relate to that. But it wasn't until I was much older when I really started to dive into my childhood because I was trying to just recognize potential roadblocks and things that were holding me back that maybe I wasn't aware of, the things that I carry in my shadow, for example. Um, so no, it wasn't until I was much older in life, but depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, substance abuse are all things that I definitely struggled with. My mom was a drug addict, you know? So for me, I wanted to know what was so good about drugs that she couldn't give it up to be with her own son. Mm. And so to be honest with you, Brett, I tried every single drug that I could find, most of which just one time, but I wanted to know. And at the end of the day, you know what I found? is that there wasn't one substance that I needed to have that meant more to me than the love of my family. Wow. Wow. Goosebumps early in this interview, man. So fast forward from here, right? So how do you join up? What does it look like for you to get into the army? Because I know from that point, you had, a, you had an impressive career there. So let's dive into that. At what point did you get into the army? At what, what did that look like? Yeah, man. So the only thing I knew about my biological dad is that he was in the Navy. So ever since I was a young kid, I was under the impression that, hey, my mom and dad had their thing. He joined the Navy. They didn't have Facebook back then to be able to, you know, look each other up and find each other. So they just kind of split paths. Um, so there's definitely a sparked level of curiosity for the military. Um, and one of the foster homes I was in, he was also a veteran. And then when I was ultimately adopted at the age of nine, my adopted father, um, he had been drafted into Vietnam. And so that was just kind of the nail in the coffin for me. So ever since I was a young kid growing up watching GI Joe, I wanted to join the army. I wanted to be a badass. I wanted to, you know, serve my country. And so literally when I was 17, I talked to my parents into letting me join. And two days later, they let me sign the paperwork. I finished high school, then I went off um, to the army. And so then I did that. Uh, I did that for six years. I spent a year in Iraq in 2007, 2008 doing, uh, route clearance, explosive ordnance disposal, convoy, convoy security, um, different things like that. Um, which ultimately led me into contracting, which is something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, but contracting is one of those things that if you don't know somebody or you don't have, 15, 20 years of high level experience, then you're probably not getting into it. Um, I just happened to know somebody and I had a decent level of training that said, hey, you know what? We wanna offer you a job. And so get this, I get a call randomly and say, hey, is this Sean Forbes? And I was like, yeah, this is Sean. I'm like, what's going on? They say, hey, we'd like to offer you a position. I'm like, well, who is this and what's going on? Um, they said, your name came highly recommended um, and we'd like to offer you a job. How soon can you be in DC? And I'm like, well, hold on, what, what's going on here? <laughs> and so they said, uh, one of my friends, he's a ex Green Beret. Well, actually, he's still a Green Beret. Um, recommended you, and we'd like to offer you a position training some soldiers overseas. How soon can you be in DC? And I said, all right, well, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I can be here, be there as soon as you need me. So cool, pack your things. You got 72 hours. 
So I literally packed up all my stuff into storage. I took a, a flight to DC, not knowing what I was going to get paid, not knowing what I was going to be doing, just on a whim, on a, on a, uh, yeah, just a hunch, I guess. I went out there and within a week I was in Central Africa training foreign soldiers. Hmm. And how old were you at this time? Uh, that would have been 2010. So I would have been 23, 2009, 2010. So 22, 23. 22, 23 years old, training African soldiers. And you only did one, you, you were just one tour in Iraq at that point, right? It's not like you've been in the military for 30 years. No, I had six years in at that point. Wow. Okay. So you get there and you're in Central Africa training soldiers that I'd imagine were probably not the most experienced to deal with some pretty hairy situations, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, we were in the Congo um, and initially there was five trainers and 200 soldiers. And what we were doing is we were building a quick reaction force um, out of basically nothing. So we had to establish some ground rules. We had to break some societal conditioning there. Um, there's a lot of interesting beliefs in, in Central Africa, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so we had to kind of break people out of, out of those things, set some discipline, set some structure. Uh, basically what we were doing is we were creating a leadership team. We did that for a few months. Um, then once we got them trained up to speed, then we were bringing on another 1,800 soldiers. So at that point, we had 2,000 soldiers, 2,000 Congolese soldiers in Central Africa, um, gearing up, ready to respond to whatever conflicts were going on at that time. Wow. That's incredible. And you were probably by far the youngest, right? I'd imagine there wasn't too many 23-year-olds yeah. there. I was the youngest by probably 15 years. Wow. And, and how, uh, how, how old were the typical troop? Like how old was the typical soldier that you were training? Yeah, they were anywhere between 18 to 35. Some, some wow. of the leadership was 35, 40, but uh, most of those guys were younger. They were younger guys. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I remember being in an office in DC, uh, you know, we came back for a, a break for a couple of weeks in between the two contracts. And I remember being in an office in DC and this, this retired general walks in, he goes, whose son are you? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, who do you know here? I'm like, I don't, I don't know anybody. And he's like, well, you must be doing something right then. Cause you're the youngest person I've ever seen in this room. So that felt good. That, that what do you nice. think? What do you think led to that? Because you weren't somebody's son, right? You, you didn't really have those connections. You just feel like it was your work ethic and it was just the way you executed. Like what got you in that room? Yeah, I think work ethic, determination, drive, um, just wanting to rise above, wanted to prove myself, you know, kind of going back to those statistics at a young age. Um, unfortunately, I was telling myself that the only person that's going to be there for me at the end of the day is myself. And so therefore I had to have something to prove, you know, and I wanted to rise above those statistics. I wanted to prove that I wasn't going to be one of those statistics um, to the best of my ability. I was able to do that for the most part, you know, did sure. I struggle? Absolutely. You know, did sure. I suffer from a lot of those things? Absolutely. Did I make my mistakes? Yeah, I sure did. But you ended up joining, ironically, probably the one place that you need to rely on other people more than anything in order to literally survive, right? I mean, I've never served, so I, I don't know, but I'd imagine in that situation, especially when you're in the Congo and you're training these people to do some, you know, protect themselves and their people in some pretty hairy situations, that's not a one-man job. 
No, you're, you're definitely right. It's not a one man job. And, you know, when you see those people try to make it a one man job is when you hear of the, the problems that arise or that's when the, the shit hits the fan, if you will. For sure. Do you feel like, do you feel like that's solved? Do you feel like that? I don't want to say solved, but do you feel like that, that healed some wounds for you getting into that, getting into the military and learning to be able to trust other people and be able to really be part of a team like that? It definitely helped a lot. Um, it gave me kind of a purpose, you know, it gave me a sense of self-worth, you know, cause the military is really good about beating any insecurities out of you and, you know, pushing you past your comfort zone. And so those are all skills that I definitely carry with me today that serve me very well, for sure. For sure. So now fast forward past the military piece of this, which is a huge part of your life. Now you get out and you're back to civilian life. What's, what's going on at this point? At this point, I thought I had the whole world figured out. I thought I had life figured out. I had a shit ton of money in the bank and no care for life, to be honest. I saw how fragile life can be. Um, and that's when a lot of my PTSD, anxiety, depression really kicked in and set in for me because go from living in that lifestyle, being constantly engaged in some sort of activity to reintegration back into society where I had no structure. I had no rules. I had more money than I knew what to do with. And I could just do whatever I wanted. I didn't feel like I had much of a purpose. And so then I found myself down a very slippery slope, getting into the wrong crowds, which led into more drug usage. And then ultimately me struggling so much that I got in trouble. And so my PTSD and anxiety led into a downward spiral where I was dating a stripper at the time, using drugs on a consistent basis, blowing tens of thousands of dollars, um, I invested, I did make one good choice. <laughs> I invested in, uh, um, one of my first startup companies in 2013. Um, and that was a good move. And then from there, I was kind of flailing, trying to just figure out something else to get going. I invested a good chunk of money that ended up being a Ponzi scheme. Mm. And from there, you know, the downward spiral continued and I ended up spending most of my money and ended up getting into those wrong crowds like I talked about. Before you know it, I was driving drugs from here to Iowa. And that obviously got me into a bit of trouble, you know? And so I ended up getting a felony and serving two years in prison for our conspiracy to distribute drugs. Wow. Well, I appreciate you being vulnerable with all that, man. I know that's definitely resonating with somebody. And now we're having this conversation and that was not the end. That was really one of those awakening moments. It sounds like for you, right? For sure. For sure. And again, at that point, I had the choice of whether I, I wanted to be another statistic and say, hey, you know what, I've got every excuse in the world to continue down this path of drug usage and continue down this path of committing crimes. Or I could say, hey, you know what? That doesn't define me. I fucked up. I made a mistake. It's an isolated event in my life. And I'm going to grow from that. I'm never going to look back. And that was 2013. I haven't been in trouble since. From there, I, after I got out of prison, I got a job uh, at a gym making $9 an hour. 
you know, so I went from making multiple six figures to $9 an hour. Um, that was humbling in and of itself. Um, but I chose to rise up, man. I chose to say, hey, you know what? That, that's not me. And I'm not going to keep, keep going down that path. I ended up working my way up uh, as a director of sales for this gym. Um, did really good. And then decided, you know what? I wanted to finish my degree. And so from there, I chose to go back to college. I, I had a personal training company that I had started. Um, so I was doing in-home training, boot camps, kids-specific training camps, um, things like that. And I was making good enough money, you know, and going to school. And so then I finished my bachelor's degree, which was a huge accomplishment for me because obviously, you know, going up in a trailer park, there's not a whole lot of four-year degrees there. Mm. Random question for you. Because I know you served, right? And technically when you served, they pay for your schooling. Did that get negated because you went to prison? No, fortunately I was able to take advantage of the GI Bill. Got it. Okay. Off that track, was- but I, that just, that just popped into my head. So when you were, so now when you were at the gym, you became a director of sales. I know you now as one of the top salespeople in your industry, which is an awesome accomplishment. Did you always know that you could sell? Because I know you could provide structure, you could train people like you were doing in Africa, but did you know you could sell? Did you know that was a strength of yours at the time? Um, no, not at the time, to be honest. Um, but I was you know, sitting back and reflecting and saying, okay, well, what am I good at? Uh, I'm good at creating relationships. I'm good at building and cultivating relationships. I'm good at networking. I'm good at um, communicating with people. And what are some different ways to leverage that? So um, I had a buddy that had a roofing company and he's like, hey, man, I'm starting this roofing company up. Um, I could definitely use your help. And I'm like, ah, I don't really want to sell roofs, but if it hails, fuck it, let's do this. And so it happened to be the biggest hailstorm ever that year. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. So uh, I joined him, helped him build a sales team of about 20 guys, um, ended up selling like 75 roofs that summer and did all right. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Um, did that for about a year. And then I was like, ah, I've had enough of that. I'm I'm good on that. I was literally about to move down to Mexico and I was going to go sell timeshares in Playa del Carmen, um, living a good life, right? Living a good life. And then uh, one of my buddies says, hey man, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, I got these two guys. They're running this solar company. Um, You should go talk to them. I think you'd really like their culture. I was like, I don't know what culture, what the fuck's culture? (laughs) Never experienced culture outside of the military. Um, so I decided to go check it out. And so I did and fell in love with the culture, (laughs) fell in love with the culture. Oh, this is culture. Yeah. This is what culture is. I I, I can handle this. It's pretty cool. Um, ended up thriving, came out my first month, sold like 17 deals, which was pretty good. And that's incredible. Then, uh, did, did well for a couple months. And then they're like, Hey, listen, we're going to be moving from Denver to Chicago. Um, I know you got a lot of momentum in Denver. If you want to stay here, you can, but a lot of us are going to be going to Chicago. I'm like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> um, okay. Well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, and so at that point I'm like, well, if I'm not really having any support and I'm doing all the work on my own, why not just start my own thing? So I did. So I branched off and got in touch with a, a um, installer and set up an agreement, a dealer program with them. And, did decent at that and did that for a few months. And then, uh, I don't know if you heard about this little bug that's going around, but apparently there's a COVID pandemic. 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of hit. And I was like, well, shoot, I've got a handful of guys right now. I don't know if this is something that is a good idea for me to say, Hey, I want you guys out door knocking every day. Um, I can't really take that risk, you know? And so we kind of just put everything on hold. And then, um, another buddy ended up hitting me up and saying, Hey, listen, we're dumping a hundred million dollars into this program over here. I'd love your help building it. And same type of thing. I was like, I don't know, man, I got my thing going on over here, but if you got some overflow, you want me to run some deals, let's do this. And sure enough, it did. And then that, that ended up growing into 15, 20 sales a month consistently. And so I was like, all right, let's go partner and let's do this. And uh, did that for a bit and helped him grow from nine guys to I think at 1.65 guys, 70 guys, something like that, something crazy. And doing 150 plus deals a month in the summer, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a cool story. So how, how do you go from, I mean, look, the bottom line is you can't grow teams. You can't grow yourself. You can't do anything unless your mindset's in the right place, right? It all starts with that. That's why I started this whole community anyway. And why I'm glad that we're having this conversation. So how do you go from, so now it looks like you're at a very interesting point in your career where you're, you're doing really well. You got some investments set up in a whole bunch of different companies. And now you're looking for, it feels like you're looking for something more. It looks like you're, it looks like you're looking to have a bigger impact on people, not just in one industry, which is where you and I really connect. So yeah. where, where do you go from here? Why is it important to you to help shape people's mindsets? Like, why does that matter to you? You know, that is the most important thing to me is to have that impact. Making money is easy. You know, I've had to start over literally four or five times from nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, and so for me, looking back at these statistics and saying, hey, you know what, you don't have to be a victim to those statistics. You know, going through the war and struggling with those things and saying, hey, you can rise above that. You don't have to let that control your life. Going through prison and saying, hey, you know what, as a felon, I get your struggle, but you don't have to let that define you. And being able to share these different tools and and strengths that I've been able to really sharpen the knife with and just make a part of my daily life are the things that allowed me to break those societal norms to break those thought processes to break out of that negative momentum mindset and those are the things that i really want to teach because if i'm able to show one other person how to take control of their life and live their life with intention and purpose and live their life to a degree which they're they're happy and they're satisfied how much better do you think that person's going to be able to show up for their girlfriend or wife or husband or mother or father you know, and think about how that trickle effect really takes place. And that's what lights my fire, man. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Again, that's why you and I really connected because I truly feel like there's not enough people that are trying to turn their mess into their message, as Dean Graziosi says all the time. And I think that's why I was excited to have you on this episode, because that's exactly what you've done. You jumped on this podcast and have been nothing but transparent and vulnerable. And it's not like you're somebody that's just starting out your journey. You've been through a lot of shit. You've had the drug addict mother. You had the father that didn't, you didn't even know, right? You joined the military. You trained, you trained soldiers in the Congo. You came back, you ended up getting arrested, getting into some stupid shit. And now here you are saying, if I can get through it, you can as well. And I think that's a really powerful story, man. And that's why I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. And I know this new venture is going to be successful for you. 
you just have to continue to keep telling your story because anybody that hears this episode can tell just from the sound in your voice, man, you've been through a lot and you're a humble guy and you're somebody that genuinely cares and wants to provide space for people and help. And I think it would be a disservice to the world for you not to put yourself out there in this capacity. So that's why when I saw you start doing all this, I'm like, thousand percent, this guy's got to be on the podcast. And if you're listening to this, you need to follow Sean on social media. You need to reach out to him. And he's one of the easiest guys to talk to, as you can hear from this conversation. So my question to you is, Sean, where do you want this to go, right? You want to impact people and whether you help one person or 10 million people, I know you're going to consider that a success, but what's the vision? Where, where, where does, where is Sean Forbes going to take this? Yeah, great question. And thank you for your kind words, Brad. That really means a lot. You know, for many years, it was, it was hard for me to tell the story. You know, I'm 34 and I'm just now starting to do it. And I've It's not easy, bro. It's not easy. People throughout my life tell me I should write a book. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. One day I will. One day I will. And it's just me, you know, sitting at the computer with a blank screen in front of me for 30 minutes, just trying to get the courage to start. But you think know. about how many people feel exactly the same way. And you just Absolutely. taking, you taking that action in itself is the, is the first step of inspiration for anybody. And that's, you know, why I'm doing this because as much as I'd like to show that everything's nice and neat and put on this facade that my life's fucking wonderful. It's like you walk into my house and my house is clean, but if you open up my drawers, everything's a mess, you know? And, and I, I can't tell you how many other people that I know specifically that can relate to that. And I know there's a lot more and that's why I'm sharing this story. And so where do I want to take this? Um, you know, I really want to get into more public speaking, you know, whether that's motivational speaking or speaking to kids or speaking to vets or um, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, I just want to get the message out. I really want to share with people the different tools and techniques um, I've launched a coaching program um, because people always ask me, if you go back and tell your 18 year old self one thing, what would it be? And for me, that's to get a mentor, you know, find somebody that has what you want and learn as much as you can from them, you know, because I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, can you learn on your own? Yeah, absolutely. Is it going to cost you a lot of money and take a lot more time? I promise it will. I promise it will. But if you have that mentor that has those tools, that has the tech trip tips, excuse me, um, and different techniques, then it just makes your life a lot easier. You know, if I want to learn how to throw a curveball, then I'm going to go find Randy Johnson and say, Hey, let me teach me the ways, you know, why not learn from a pro? Why not learn from an expert? So um, to answer your question, you know, I'm excited to get into more coaching. I'm excited to get into more mentorship um, and just really try to speak to as many people as I can. What do you think is required for somebody to be a good mentee? Um, a positive mindset and a willingness to learn. You know, if you're willing to put in the time and the effort, I can give you all the tools in the world, but if you don't have the initiative, if you don't have the courage to take that first step, it doesn't matter. You know, you could go and read all the books, all the self-help books, all of these things, and if you don't apply the information that you're learning, then you're kind of just wasting everybody's time. Hmm. Hmm. That's great feedback. And in terms of these companies, right? Because you do more than just one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. You've, you're a business consultant really at its core, right? I mean, you've, you've invested in companies and you're, I'm sure you're coaching the leaders of that company to help guide the vision of it. What do you look for in a company 
you know, what do you, cause th these are really one and the same. I'm curious what you look for in that because I'm looking to take some advice from you as well. For sure. Yeah. I've, uh, I've invested in six different companies now since 2013. Um, and, Honestly, what I'm looking for are things that I'm passionate about, things that I believe in, but more importantly, the people that are coming up with these ideas, I want to see that same level of passion and excitement in what they're doing. Um, the people that I work with, they have a really good idea. Oftentimes, they just don't necessarily know how to get it into conception, whether it's they need capital, they need marketing help, they need systems and structure, um, whatever the case is, and I just help bridge the gap. Um, mm. But... You know, I'm excited to have you out to Beacon this Friday, you and your wife, by the way. Uh, Beacon's the Immersive Art Dance Bar in Rhino, downtown uh, Denver. Um, again, like that is something that I love the idea. I love the vision. It's something that I believe in and, and you know, I'm excited to be a part of. Things like that. That's what I'm looking for. Do I invest in every company that comes across my desk? No, of course not. You know, I get a ton of people that have really good ideas. They're just not the ideas that, you know, align with what I'm excited about. 1000%. And the common denominator between a successful person individually that's looking for mentorship and somebody that wants to be coached and a business operator is really just their mindset, right? I mean, that's the key behind all of this is if you can help shape the mindset, you shape the vision. And then the question is how many people can be positively impacted by the vision. And that's where being that coach, being that mentor, you get to see ripple effects that could honestly last generations. And I think that's the most exciting part for me. And I'm sure you feel the same way. So Sean, this has been an excellent conversation, man. Anything that you want to leave off with um, final pieces of advice. And then just lastly, where can people find you? Where can somebody hear this episode and say, dude, this guy was awesome. He's absolutely somebody I'd love to mentor me, coach me, just connect with and build a relationship. So final piece of advice. And then where can somebody find you on social media? For sure. Um, the biggest piece of advice that I have is I just don't think people really understand the value of mindset. You know, whatever your mind can achieve or can believe, it can achieve, right? And so if you're in a position where you have these lofty goals, but you don't believe that you can do it, you're not going to be able to achieve that. You know, and so if we're focused and we're writing our goals, we're tracking our habits, we're winning the day, you know, we're stacking 10 wins before we leave the house at eight o'clock in the morning. That kind of momentum continues throughout the rest of the day. And when you're doing that consistently day in and day out, it's the same thing if I go to the gym every single day, I'm going to see results. It's impossible not to, but a lot of times people struggle with the direction to start. You know, they're sitting at that computer screen trying to figure out the first sentence, you know, it's just taking that action. And so Mindset is my number one thing that I'm going to work on with people because we have to reprogram the way we think. I have to reprogram the way I tell my story. You know, I didn't start my story with I was physically and sexually abused as a kid because that doesn't serve me, you know. So rewriting and, and telling the way, the way we tell our story is, is such a crucial part of um, my success. And, I, and for a lot of people, I think that they can say the same. Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me, Deshaun Forbes. Um, that's S-H-A-W-N, Forbes. Um, otherwise, reach out to me on Facebook. It's easy to get a hold of me, easy to find me. And I'm looking forward to meeting with every one of you guys. 
That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that we got to uh, feature you on the Grow to Gold podcast, and I have no doubt, and I'm going to hold you to this when you start your podcast. I better get the invite to come on there as well so we can make some magic together. But Sean, I haven't known you all that long, man, but in the time I have known you, I can tell you you're one of the most impactful people that I've ever met. And your leadership skills are top notch and, and what you've accomplished already in your life and the things you've overcome. Um, nothing short of amazing. And I knew this would be a great conversation, but I definitely exceeded my expectations. And I know somebody's listening to this saying, I totally fucking agree with what Brett just said there. So reach out to Sean. That's the part of this community. If you're listening to this, I hope by now you understand the importance of engagement. I can have the greatest people in the world jump on here. But if you're not going to reach out and engage with them, it doesn't mean much. Sean is an open book. He wants to help. He's here to add value. Reach out to him on Instagram, on Facebook, build that relationship. And I guarantee you, you're not going to regret it. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. If you have not yet subscribed, please make sure you do so so you never miss another episode. And I look forward to catching you next time on the Grow to Gold podcast. Take care and have a great day.